0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good
1: game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it.
2: Barnes has come in. Oh,
3: Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Uh, Matt Messiano back in the chair again. Uh, yeah, I've finally been released from the Stadium of Light dressing room to, <laughs> to, to rejoin uh, both Jordan and Tom, who have been doing a great job in the meantime. Um, we have missed one game, though. Uh, so we've got two games to talk about and, my goodness, two wins to talk about. We've come back at the right time, haven't we? Firstly, though, how are you guys doing? Are oh, you well?
2: Yeah, I never really picked you in the chair for some reason. I know your recording booth is quite elaborate, as well as think of it as some sort of standing kind of you know voiceover booth that you're in. But um, aside from Ooh, that, you're yeah, doing off. pretty well. No, is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Um, two wins in the bounce. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, we missed two games and get back to talk about it, two wins. That's not very often that happens for us. So yeah, feeling good. Yeah, Tom?
1: All good here. It's amazing what a difference a couple of results make, isn't it? As I said after the Sheffield Wednesday game that kind of the result conditions everything else and we kind of overlook all the shortcomings. I don't think we're going to do that. I'm sure we're going to get into the detail of it, but it doesn't half help.
3: Should we start with Swansea as it's the most recent? And then we can can use Sheffield Wednesday as as something to... to
2: Go back to yeah. I think we've got yeah. We've got enough to talk about. I think as we said we said just before we started recording, there's a lot of similarities between the two games anyway. So um, yeah, I think we can talk about it as a bit of a Mm. as a whole if we if you will.
3: Okay, great. Well, let's start with the first away win in 295 days. Twenty-five minutes
2: and three seconds, but who's counting? Yeah, felt pretty important. Um, You know, we're looking. We're in a situation now. We have to kind of overcome some things to push our way out the table. We can't just rely on decent home uh, records. We have to be getting points and winning games away. And you know, I think there's been a lot of games recently where we've not seemed even close to doing that. Um, from an away performance perspective so seeing some improvement there was, was really kind of the the minimum requirement if we're going to have any sort of success this season or any sort of upward trend it's got to be kind of off the back of some, some decent or improved away performances so yeah it was a big one and I think also a tough one too because I, I think about recent Swansea away games they've, they've been pretty dire for us haven't they so I think a lot of us probably went into it not expecting too much but um, yeah pretty big one
3: Tom going into the Sheffield Wednesday game we were quite worried I think because we were going up against what we felt was a team that's possibly poised for relegation there at the bottom of the table and we managed to come away uh, with the win but Swansea was a completely different topic altogether so to come away from Swansea with the victory I don't think anyone was really expecting that, were they?
1: We? No, and as Jordan rightly says, um, th- it's not a happy hunting ground for us, the, the Liberty, isn't it, and the Vetch prior to that. We've won three of our 25 league matches there, um, most recently in 2017, when we were both in the Premier League. Obviously, kind of both fallen on hard times since. Yes, different propositions of Sheffield Wednesday who are just utterly hopeless, but... I think it's worth pointing out that we've got this little run, haven't we, of fixtures, teams not doing brilliantly or worse. And after that, we've got a pretty horrible run where we play. Um, There's the train. (laughs) I think we play Leicester, Southampton, Norwich... Preston pretty much everyone who's up there basically that we haven't played already so we needed to get something from these this run it's what is it Cardiff sorry Middlesbrough Cardiff and Huddersfield to come um so it's, it's a really good start and I mean suddenly look at the you know you look at the table we're in the, the dizzy heights of 15th we're only um two points off off the top half which is quite a quite a turnaround so yeah it's um it was a, a surprise win for a number of reasons but a really really important one yeah you say two
3: points off the top half I think is it three points off the playoffs uh, don't get carried away for... I, mean, I, I, I don't want to get carried away I'm just telling you I'm just telling you that's the stat is it four, oh, four. It's 4 oh, I'm sorry as it's four. few as four I mean, it felt like we were about
1: four points off the playoffs for most of last season, didn't it? And we never got there. So I'm not gonna. Yeah, for our last ten games, it felt somehow, like yeah, despite everything. So I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna get carried away just yet.
3: No, and I don't think we should. But um, fa- fact, fact to facts. Even if my fact was initially wrong. Um, so, <laughs> so um, well, two different games. What, what was the what was the difference between this and and some of our. More
2: n- non-ideal showings in in recent months on the road. Well, I think you know, I, I think it's one of those. Or I think it's one of those games where it wasn't. Again, it wasn't perfect. It, you know, I think we still looked quite a long way off where we were at points at the beginning of the season in terms of style of play and you know dominating the ball and, and having that kind of creative flair at times. But what it was that we you know we maybe have lacked in in recent months. Home and away, at times, just having that level of commitment, um, tenacity. I thought the, the the work rate was good off the ball, um, a little bit more intense, you know, a little bit more incisive off the ball in terms of kind of setting those traps and obviously pressing and then being aggressive trying to stop Swansea playing. But just a level of commitment and uh, application from some of the players. You know, there's a couple that will be mentioned in in particular, I think, uh, as we kind of go on. But yeah, as a collective, it was much much better from that point of view. And maybe we're resetting our standards, recalibrating kind of what we're looking at in in terms of finding improvement with this team because we have kind of been on a downward trend for a little while now. Um, but yeah, it was it was much more. There's much more character to this team, and that was something I think we've been devoid of for quite quite a long time and at really crucial points this season.
0: Mm.
1: You mentioned there, Jordan, about kind of pressing traps and what have you. I, one thing that I thought watching it and admitted I was only watching it on my iPad on the Sky Red button was that kind of off-the-ball work and the pressing and what have you. It felt like we were certainly denying them a lot more time than we have in recent games and it looked, you know, a little bit more in keeping with some of those early Performances at the start of the season, in, in that sense, was that was that something that you'd kind of echo, or was I just looking for something that
2: wasn't really there? No, I think I th- I, I do feel like to me it felt like as this when the season started that opening game. Obviously, we can you know discuss the opponent and so on, but that game felt like a more complete performance, and from from both sides of things, you know, you're looking for that use of the ball, the possession, fluidity, and possession, and so on. But the off the ball stuff was there too. I think post that game. The off the ball work started to diminish a little bit and it was it was more about the kind of use of the ball the control uh, and then there's you know it got to the point where both elements started to kind of fade and we were left this kind of in between no man's land style of football, and I think the, the that the off the ball work started to come back a little bit against Sheffield Wednesday, and I think it was more so against Swansea uh, last night. So I think it's valid to say that. I think it was a you know big reason as to why we were able to stop them at times and and, and cause them some issues, make it tough. And I think it's a good way of kind of resetting the maybe not the expectation but it's kind of like a a first step back into hopefully what can be positive um, performances and and results but yeah it was important we did that and I think it gives you a bit of momentum and and kind of build that encouragement for the players it allows you to do something proactive to try and defend rather than just being passive and sitting back and I I thought the the team did quite well leading from the front obviously the midfield was quite different it was a little bit more industrious uh, as a whole so maybe that helped a little bit in terms of that that mindset but um, no it was important and I thought it worked pretty well for the most part.
1: I'm sure we'll come back to him specifically um, but I thought it was noticeable when the goal went in Jake Livermore just sort of like collapsed to his haunches rather than running over to celebrate and I think you know the risk of kind of reducing it to just and fighting and working, it did really feel like a performance where people put their bodies on their line, worked hard, went the extra mile, gave the extra percent here and there. Um, there was a couple of really good blocks towards the end and, and so on. And, you know, I think if you have that in place, it gives you the platform to do the, the
2: more exciting and, and more kind of structured things as well. Definitely. Um, I think Livermore, I mean, should we talk about him seeing as we're here?
3: Yeah, I, I think we should include Livermore within a wider discussion of, of your Opinion of Valerian's switch to the kind of Livermore in type thing that, that that we're seeing now.
2: Yeah, I think I think I think you know that's that's the important to talk about is It was, this, it was um, obviously the game against Sheffield Wednesday. We we had Porteous in there who obviously ended up getting suspended to miss this one. But we did have Livermore come in, and I'd, I'd say you know it, it's clear Livermore's not the player he once was. You could say you know he's not. He's not at the level. He, he he's not at his best, and he's he's not going to get to that point again. But he does bring uh, he does bring a level of um a level of intangible to to the team, which I think there are question marks whether it would be worth the kind of trade off of diminishing quality to bring that those leadership qualities for lack of a better term in but I think last night was a prime example of how they can be useful Um, I think he actually played quite well uh, as well in general I thought he was quite good he wasn't bad he lacks a little bit of mobility but he was actually decent on the ball Um, he actually played quite well under pressure a few times and defensively he was solid he stayed in a good position a little bit limited, but he, he did what we needed to. And you could see it kind of transfer onto the players around him. And that was also helped by, as you mentioned there, Matt, Sirialto too was another one who I, I thought really stood up to the test really well. I think Sirialto always looks good in those games where you just ask him to head and kick everything. And that was, let's put it simply, and it was one of those ones where he could just deal with balls into the box, deal with the balls coming forwards and and play face on and just, you know, dominate. And I think that was a really good game for him. I think it looked much more sturdy having him in there alongside Hoot than we've seen recently of Porteous. So those two players in this sort of game, if they can play to those strengths, then really, you know, it puts you in a much better situation in, in those sort of defensive kind of hold out the lead sort of games than we've seen with uh, with other pairings or other, other players in those positions.
3: Yeah, Tom, you wanted to highlight the defence as well as being a, a bit of a show stealer from the last couple of games, despite the fact that... We have had less choice at the back.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I tweeted from the the Buzz account prior to the game, you know, watch your starting 11. I always try to, but I thought it was particularly interesting given we obviously New Andrews was suspended, when New Porteous was suspended. Morris has been kind of. I don't think they've explicitly said he's injured, but he's been kind of AWOL to the point that you have to assume he is injured. Obviously, Jamal Lewis hasn't been great. So there was essentially really only. I think a couple of choices that you could make, but there was some fairly um you know, there were guys in there that have been kind of less heralded or just downright inconsistent at times and and, and Gakia I think was absolutely one of those. He he seems to do this, doesn't he, where he kinda of flits between being really solid and thinking, Okay, yeah, kick on, let's do this, you know, five, ten games in a row and, and, and call, you know, best part of 10 games in a row and and really nailed it down And and he never quite has and it was probably quite a good game for him in the sense of not too much expectation of him being progressive with the ball getting the ball forward um but you know so it was the stuff that we know he does well that he did well if that makes sense that the kind of defensive stuff and it was it was him right at the end who timed a really good sort of block sliding tackle when they were coming down Swansea were coming down that left hand side um you know it wasn't a standout performance by any means but it was a it was a quietly good performance from someone who's been fairly much maligned and as Jordan touched on there, Sierra Alta, you know, you know what you're going to get from him, but I think, I think it's a training train again. I think, um, I, you know, at the moment, with a combination of the form of the other centre-backs slash lack of options at centre-back, and Livermore's, in, imp- impressive kind of couple of last couple of games. I think we're in a situation where we can say that Sierra Alta is probably our best our best centre back on form. That was, you know, that was him at his very best. And I was I was kind of surprised, given that you've got two kind of big, awkward, gangly guys in in him and the Hoot, that Swansea didn't make more of a kind of effort or have more Joy, trying to get in, you know, between the fullback and the centre back, in down the sides of them, and trying to turn them and and you know expose them where they're a little bit weaker. Um, so, yeah, I, I was I was really kind of impressed, and, and even to be honest, Jamal Lewis I think was better than he has been. Albeit, and I tweeted this from the Buzz account: every single throw on he took in that
3: second half was a bloody foul throw. <laughs> every single one. It was pathetic. Can we talk about Jamal Lewis for a bit? Because he was kind of the, the the hailed man. He was he was the guy that was coming in from Premier League Newcastle. He was going to change our left side. He's fallen quite short of the of the highs that were expected of him, hasn't he?
1: I think he's been disappointing. I thought the first I can't remember what his debut was, and I thought okay, yes, there's a clear um, step up from from Morris to him, but. In the last few weeks, he's just looked really weak and kind of meek, and and almost all the things that you would typically say were the reasons that James Morris couldn't be the first choice left
3: back. You know, mm. um, Lewis was coming re- in to to be the you know the number one. Yeah, on, on, not, on paper but there's not too much d- difference between him and Morris at the minute in my certainly
1: eyes. not on form you know not really contributing in an attacking sense which I have to admit I have to say I always thought was the, the weaker side of his game but even so you know I kind of didn't think he was getting involved but then yesterday I thought he got up quite well in support at, you know whether they used him or not but he was um, yeah I thought that was probably his best game since the first was it Leeds away where he debuted no Game after, sorry, game before Leeds. I, this, this is in nonsense chat, but yeah, I thought he was better than he has been, and I, I haven't been blown away by him. I have to say, up until this point.
2: Jordan, what's your thoughts of, of Lewis? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I, I don't think I think when when Lewis first kept, first signed, it was before we'd really seen much of we uh, really see much of what Ismael trying to do. We had some kind of Inclination that he might be moving a little bit away from more of a direct style, but I think when there was to the thought we'd be a little bit more um, direct in in possession, I think we discussed the fact that that might not be the best fit for Lewis because he is, you know, he's shown his best football at Norwich predominantly where they, they kind of controlled the ball quite a lot with quite a tidy footballing side and his, a lot of his best play kind of came from being in an intricate footballing team where he had a very defined role as, a, as an attacking fullback um, and I was a little bit concerned, you know, how's he going to play in this kind of um, somewhat sporadic and kind of random attacking style that we might see under under Ismail. and then obviously we started to look a little bit different and this that Lewis might have been a good fit but it see Seems really, by the time he actually got into the team we kind of slipped away from that a little bit and we're, we're kind of now finding ourselves as this kind of slightly pragmatic almost counter-attacking at times sort of team where he just kind of I don't really feel like he's nailed down a style for that left back position yet he's maybe a bit of a square peg in a round hole coupled with you know coming in a little bit late and, and so on but I thought last night was probably his one of his better games he's shown for us so far but he's not been he's not blown anyone away I'd say that's that's definitely fair he's been okay at best I think and that's that's something we hope to improve upon I do still think there's a player there but I think you have to you have to find a way to, to, to really use him and get the best out of him to, to benefit from some of his attributes and I, I think he looks a little bit <clears throat> I wouldn't say unconfident but he doesn't look like he's playing with much kind of freedom and, and to his game mm. right now I'd say
3: no I, I think that's that's very fair um, I wonder how far away Morris is, be- and 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 if whether he's going to be in line to 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 come back in, or do you think that Lewis is still the. The preferred player when when both are fit. Uh,
2: I mean, it's a closer it's a closer battle than we probably thought when Lewis signed, isn't it? I think it's probably, you know, I think maybe it's a little bit of an in between where Morris has shown at times a little bit of a higher level of performance than we thought coming into the season, and then Lewis has been a little bit not not quite as good as we expected or hoped. But, um, you know, for me, I still think Lewis is the better option. I still think he offers you more. Um, I I think some of the defensive issues with Morris still concern me. Um, But, you know, as as I said, it's a closer battle than we maybe initially thought. So if one of them does well, or the other one does particularly poorly, then I think they can separate from each other. But right now, it's kind of a tough one to call. Mm. You can argue the same for the other side as well at like right back at the moment too, with with Andrews kind of missing and and Gakia having a better game last night. It's not a, a guarantee Andrews walks back in when he's available either, is it? No,
3: no, you're right. Uh, but, but although I do prefer Andrews, I, I, I think he's my clear my clear favourite over 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 the two. Whereas with with the left back situation, it does seem less easier to to choose.
2: I prefer him. I prefer him too, but is 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 Ngakia starting to earn some trust from his Melbourne potentially in these sorts of games? You know.
3: Yeah, that's probably fair, Tom.
1: I think it's been much more of a merit-based battle than I ever anticipated. To be honest, I thought um, Lewis coming in, you know, on loan, probably one of the higher earners in the squad. You'd imagine coming from Newcastle now. Um, You know, he would kind of play come hell or high water as long as they could wheel him out. But I think they showed from, or or Ismail showed from the moment that he made it apparent he needed to be fully fit. And the same with Tom Ince, that that wasn't going to be the case. You know, uh, availability and fitness were the kind of first um, hurdles to overcome in terms of expecting to play. So... I think he's shown that, as I say, it'll be much more kind of based on merit than anything else. And it's the same on the other side, you know. Ngakia has his uses. And a game like Swansea away is probably one of them where you expect to see less of the ball. You know, they're a possession-based side or, that, or have been for a long, long time. You know, you want somebody that you can rely on to be defensively solid. Whereas Ryan Andrews, you know, much more comfortable going forward, a bit more expansive in his play. So I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with... Where we're at. I think Lewis also, it's worth pointing out, Uh, you know, we said it at the start of the season. He's played very little football. He wasn't even in Newcastle's Premier League squad in the back half of last season, was he? I think he got more football for Northern Ireland than he did for for Newcastle, albeit he played in a couple of cup games. So it's going to take a little while to kind of play yourself into form in that respect. So yes, I've been underwhelmed. I've been vocal about it, but I'm I'm prepared to be patient too.
3: Mm. Perhaps the answer isn't Morris or Lewis, but in fact, Ken Semmer.
2: (laughs) I I wouldn't be against it. All
3: right, argue argue your point because I think Jordan's about to say that he is...
2: I mean, it's not. Go on, you start, Tom. You go. All I'm going to say is,
1: it's it's... left back. (laughs) Then no, I'm not. Hang on, steady on, mate. Steady on. Look, (laughs) I. It's not his best position, right? And actually, I think it causes an imbalance and detracts from what he can do further forward. So I'm not pro it, but. I wouldn't kind of be against it either. I think it's an option in our in our back pocket. And look, he ended up there at the end of the night, didn't he? We had a fairly kind of, fairly flat back five by the end. And I think, you know, it's the most, I tweeted it, it's the most Kemmer, Ken, Kemmer, Ken Semmer thing ever, isn't it? To score an absolute worldie out of nothing and still end the night as an auxiliary left wing back, left back. Um, you know, I, I, I God love him. I absolutely, his like redemption arc as a Watford player is unbelievable. And... I just, you know, because you, you get you get parked out on loan by Watford. I've said this on the pod before. You get parked out on loan by Watford. That's it. Goodbye. That's the <laughs>
3: end of you. Because another fifteen, you don't generally come back. You do don't you? come
1: back because another fifteen players and twelve head coaches will have come in in the time that you have been away. He's bucked that trend and then some. So, so fair play to him. I love Ken Semmer, Sue me.
2: He's had about three redemption arcs, hasn't he? That's so, true. Yeah, yeah, um, but. I think I think the thing is with with Ken Semmer I think you know left wing back maybe a little bit more. But honestly, for me, it's not just about his ability at left back. I think I just when when we have him on the pitch, I, I kind of want him in the forward positions just because of you know what we saw last night. It doesn't always you know kind of translate into to him ripping the, the top of the net off with a with a left foot strike, but he offers something in those wide areas going forward you know I don't mind late on in game seeing him at left back if we're maybe chasing a game we want to have still some of that offensive threat and the ability to get that full back up nice and high and almost play the back three at times but you know starting a game out with him at left back uh, I, I don't know I mean I'm not I, I'm not massively opposed to it so I'm not it's not fair to say I'm definitely on the other side of this argument but um, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure one one more thing as long as we're not getting too far away here in, in terms of players and you know involvement subs and so on what, what are we thinking about um, about Rhys Healy's lack of involvement again I'm very disappointed because I feel like he uh, hasn't had a fair crack at the whip you know he uh, he
3: he could be the the answer, but we're we're not getting the opportunity to see him. I'm I'm you know I'm I'm sure that uh, behind the scenes that they're they're seeing enough of him and and clearly making the decision that they are that he's he doesn't need to feature. But I don't know the the, the football we've seen from him in the past for other clubs and the way that we know he likes to play. I think that there is um, a player there that could help us, but um, I don't know when we're, we're not getting the opportunity to see him, so it's hard to really. Talk about it.
1: It's got it's become achingly apparent that Ishmael doesn't fancy him, right? Because you can't say that his socks have been his socks have been knocked off by Bayo and Ryevitch. You know, we've talking of redemption arcs, you know, we've come to the point where people are actively calling for Bayo to start now and, and, you know, saying, Oh, he's he's far superior player to Ryevitch. And that's not to, you know, dismiss that opinion, I think. On form, I'd rather have Bayo in the team at the moment. But, you know, those guys, we're, we're hardly talking about bloody, you know, Prime, um, Sheringham and... Sorry, Cole and York here, are we? In, in kind of that Man United, you know, uh, triple winning <laughs> squad in terms of depth and quality of options at striker. Um, for Reese Healy to not even be getting a look in, particularly in the games where we've been losing or, or chasing a win or whatever, is just... Baffling to me. So, you know, was it a case? What I would rather know now at this stage is: was it a case of club signing him without Ishmael having any input, which you know seems to chime against the idea that Ishmael does have a pretty significant say in, in um, recruitment, or is it just that yeah, he was he was pro who's signing and he's turned up and he just hasn't lived up to expectations? That's the the bigger kind of argument or bigger piece in this for me now.
3: Hmm. Well, that kind of leads us towards the, the Watford Observer articles that have come out of late that um, we haven't really had a chance to talk about yet. Tom, did you want to discuss anything with regards to Ishmael's comments? Yeah,
2: there's a hell of a lot. Have we actually discussed? Have we Have we recorded this since Ben No, left. we haven't. No, there's, ever a, ever.
1: there's a hell of a lot to unpack here, so I'll, I'll try and keep it brief because I imagine we've all got something to say on it. Um, I find the whole thing very, very odd. Um We've gone from being a club that is very proud almost of the fact that we don't put a great deal of store in the value of head coaches and that everything is set up for the head coach to slot in and out of because head coaches are interchangeable. But as long as the structure's right, then they can be interchangeable and will continue to have success. and we seem to have done a complete 360. Now that's not to say it's wrong, but it just—I just don't really understand the the rationale behind that. That suddenly we're giving kind of more power than we've ever given to a, a manager, and apparently he is a manager rather than the head coach in Ishmael. And I just don't know. I would love to hear. I would love to understand what it is that's made them. Kind of take this decision and and put all their eggs in this Valerian Ishmael shaped basket because seemingly as recently as. as, as, There's your podcast title. (laughs) Yeah. Big menacing basket. Um, You know, seemingly as recently as the end of last year, they were restructuring everything to slot Ben Manga and his team into the recruitment strategy and and kind of let them lead, you know. And then Manga was the one that appointed to all intents and purpose Ishmael and then Ishmael's been the one that's kind of turned around and stabbed him in the back in a, you know, very <laughs> Shakespearean kind of way and said, and you know, and, and kind of so- signed off on his exit, hasn't he? And you just think... <laughs> I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just a little bit confused, and I'd like a little bit more context. And I think this is where the club could communicate, um, you know, a little a little bit more effectively too.
2: Are we feeling? I mean, firstly, I think the 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 twenty. The, I know there was a quote with this man as well, saying about the twenty thirty million, you know, spending and so on that was being thrown around a lot. I think it's pretty fair to say that he wasn't talking about the actual numbers he had at his disposal. He was just kind of making a point, really, right? Um, so I don't think we should be thinking that out they were actually figures that he could have potentially used that he decided he opted against um but no i I do agree with you there tom like i I don't really i don't really get it i don't get the change of thought um in a sense why we were so committed to to one kind of route and then just going the complete opposite way around. Although the thing is too, I I do feel there's an underlying kind of dishonesty when it comes to describing these roles that the the members of staff have, you know, in in regards to Ismail, you know, maybe he doesn't have more input than other coaches have had. That's good. That's fine. Uh, If you want to go that way, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, clearly there was a miscommunication or, or dishonesty in regards to what was offered to Ben Manga, it seems the kind of one of the biggest kind of contention points the fact that he wasn't able to do what he thought he was going to be able to do, you know, st- bringing staff over. Um, there's, there's obviously contention with having Cristiano Gioretta, who looked set to leave prior to his uh, or prior to the summer, suddenly staying around and having what sounds like a big impact in regards to signings, you know, the likes of, you know, Rahovic, we mentioned there too, you know, seemingly wasn't a, a Ben Manga player, was a Gioretta player. And these these sorts of things are going to cause a lot of tension. It's just another situation where, we find ourselves failing to commit to a strategy with any sort of real intent or plan behind it. And, you know, we're, we're suddenly twisting again. We've paid off Ben Manga and his, his, his relatively small team, but we probably ended up spending more money on terminating their contracts than we did in the window <laughs> uh, this summer. So that's, you know, not again, not a not a good position to find ourselves in and you know it's a waste of time too because all this all this time that's going to strategizing and you know planning for recruitment and and so on it's out of the window again um and maybe Ismail is someone we can build around potentially he is but you know I I always do feel uneasy about doing so when you have obviously an owner that's not opposed to to moving on from coaches quickly and honestly I like to be able to withhold the right to do so if necessary so when you we do put a lot of your kind of um, a lot of weight and a lot of power into that position. It's, it's always a risk, you know, whether he has a bad run or whether another club comes along and decides at some point that that they want him or whatever happens. You, you, you do leave yourself a little exposed. You know, potentially we are still kind of trying to go with a, a technical director and, and, and have some continuity there, but it seems at the moment that that person is Cristiano Gioretta, which I don't have a ton of confidence in. So, you know, it, it, it's concerning in a sense because I don't feel like it's as simple as, you know what, Ben Manga wasn't working out. It, you know this situation it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be you know our views didn't align there's miscommunication whatever we need to re- rehire and, and find a, a route forward with someone else it actually feels like more like we tried that out and we don't like that sort of role at the club we need someone who's a bit a bit more mellow um, has kind of smaller plans in regards to how much they want to have control and, and input so we'll, we'll keep with someone like Christian Gioretta, which I, I do find concerning um, for the long term I think ultimately someone I think ultimately Gino Potts wants to be the, the, the director of football technical director, and I think that's going to be an ongoing problem.
3: Mm. A few people that uh, were perhaps not uh, pro-Pozzo, but certainly sitting on the fence, have, after this decision, uh, sort of come out and said that they are now Um, anti-Pozzo.
2: Was you one of those, Jordan? I can't recall if that was... Yeah, you know, I think in regards to kind of reaction to that decision, I I think for me it kind of felt... (sighs) felt like the beginning of this season or the end of last season there was hints of change, you know, indication that we were trying to change things. I didn't think it'd be immediate. I didn't think it didn't think Junior would be able to relinquish the control that was necessary straight away perhaps. He might need some proof that he's um that it's a good idea to do so, to to fully commit. But you know, I thought it was at least positive and I think seeing the seeing how quickly we can move away from what really was quite a big shift in, in approach yeah, I, I don't know. I just I don't I feel uneasy about it. And I think I feel some of the way that the some of the narrative and some of the discussion around the decisions that were being made were uh, have been kind of expressed in a way which it was such a positive to do. You know, we, we think it's a really good direction to go with Ismail and the, the approach we have here. And I'm a fan of a lot of what Ismail does. I'm not sure he should have the role that is being presented as him having at this point. i i I don't quite believe that the reasoning behind the move uh, moving on from manga is quite what's being presented and that makes me feel uncomfortable um that we're at a stage with this owner where i don't think we can take anything for granted i think we can only believe what we see um and we can't really trust the words that are being said and without saying too cynical i just don't really think we can at this point so i think i do feel we have been we've been misled too many times here so i i, I do feel uncomfortable about it and i, I am at the point where I'm, i i really don't see much room for change from gino i don't really see him be able to commit to a different strategy and i think unfortunately him leading decisions in this sense is, is is relatively or puts you down a bit of a dead end I don't really see how we get out, get out of that's, that's kind of my concern
1: No I quite agree i kind of been pro Pozzo this whole time but i said during the first fan forum in the summer it's it's time for him to go in that I just don't see this leopard changing his spots and that you know this has been kind of further grist to the mill and that respect as Jordan said a moment ago the idea is all very well and good it', it putting faith in Ismail but we're a club that has historically proven time and time again, we don't stick with the manager. So what happens when he does get the boot or is, or are we just genuinely at a point now where they're so desperate to prove that they've changed their ways, that they're going to stick with him come hell or high water pun <laughs> intended. So yeah, it's all a bit uncomfortable. And I think, I think Jordan's absolutely right in what he says about, you know, kind of telling the whole truth. I don't think they have at any point in, uh, in this and, you know, even, to a point, you've got to say you can't take everything that Ishmael says at face value because they've put faith in him, they've rewarded him with a new contract. So, you would reasonably assume he is going to come out and toe the party line in those interviews with Andrew French, where he talks about, um, you know, confusion and voices at the table and, and so on. And although it, it backs up what Billich said, Billich has, you know, he's got a, an axe to grind as well. So, yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of noise and conflicting voices and opinions and and whatnot and I don't will ever
2: know the the whole truth of it. I think I just feel much better about these extra level of of, of power and say that that Ismail supposedly has. If you had, you could still do that and have the continuity of a of a technical director that was overseeing these larger kind of project ideas. I think losing that, you just you're just losing another important piece of of a kind of management structure, which you you really need this this kind of this day and age. You do need someone that can be that continuity and have that authority to to to, to actually collaborate, but also to make important decisions. And I just I I don't know what direction we're really going. I don't see how this. Is good for us long term, and I don't think we're in a short term position where we can be extremely successful within the next year or two. So I don't really know what the what the plan is. It's very hard to see um, kind of what route we're going. Do
3: you think that it was wise for Ishmael to speak uh, so candidly to the paper about things that could possibly upset some Watford fans? Um, I mean, it's very much uh, a case of whether you like various things or not but um
0: life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
3: Let's take the Emmanuel Dennis one, for example. Um, A player who has previously done well for Watford. Is it... uh, maybe not such a great idea to discuss the fact that they turned him down.
1: Um, Just quickly before I answer that question explicitly, Matt, something that just popped into my head while, while Jordan was talking there. Um... It was requested at the fans forum. You went. You may very well remember that we would be given an org chart, and Scott Duxbury's reply was very much yes, this can be done. You know, it's re- it's it exists already, so we just have to publish it. Where are we going to put it out on the website? We've chased up more than once. I know that for a fact. There is still no org chart. Luther blissett has got involved. It's all very weird, um, but it's it's worth pointing out that it's probably. Quite apparent now why that was delayed, uh, if it ever existed. And I think, you know, it might be a small thing, but I think it speaks to a, a far bigger and more kind of widespread issue. And Jordan was talking there about kind of layers of power and responsibility and what have you. And I think that is all kind of mixed up in that. Regards, Ismail, no, I think if he's genuinely. Involved in recruitment As, as we're, we're told And led to believe Then yeah He should comment On these things And that's That's absolutely fine And to be honest with you You know Gino doesn't talk ever Scott Duxbury Doesn't talk that often Gioretta doesn't talk That often either So um, You know It's a bit of an old school Kind of view That the manager comes out And does all the talking And, and kind of represents The club on different levels But no Personally I've, I've got I've got no issue with it And I'm sure anything he said Would be kind of Sanctioned or backed Or with the awareness Of the club At the very least
2: at the risk of holding a match over a powder keg here, what do you think about the Luther Bliss stuff? I feel very strange about his interactions.
1: Um, I think it's a great question, firstly. I've got, I've got a couple of things to say. One is that it's we, it says everything about the kind of tinderbox of social media and football fandom and Watford in 2023, that we've somehow got to a point where the kind of ultimate Watford legend or one of the ultimate Watford legends is embroiled in some fairly kind of heated, fairly testy discussions with Watford fans on Twitter. And I, I don't think that's a particularly edifying situation for anybody. Um, so that that's one thing. The second thing is, I think it can be a force for good if we, if it is done properly and kind of used correctly and, and, and honestly as an open channel, you know, as the kind of conduit between the club and the fans on certain things. I think there are a few things that have already become a bit muddied and a bit conflated. Um, I saw Luther saying, for example, Luther's account saying, for example, that um, the org chart had not been requested
2: i didn't see that it had it
1: was in the kind of uh recordings of that meet meeting that's it written down that's it written down in andrew french's live blog matt you were there you heard it with your own i was about to say ears Uh, sorry eyes ears was the correct word it was absolutely requested i was there um and i am in the whatsapp group and I have been told on multiple occasions it's something that we have chased up as well. Not maybe publicly, but it's been chased up as well. So I just, I just think, you know, it needs to be done properly and carefully and it can be a force for good. Um, and I'm all for more lines of communication between the club and fans because you know I've said it once already in this podcast I'll probably say it again because I do repeat myself Uh, that is something that needs to improve generally so you know if it's Luther as that instrument great Um, we you know wait with bated breath
3: I absolutely love it when uh, former players uh, engage with the club that um, that they had the most uh, success with or or enjoyed playing for Um, it just makes me feel like the player cares and that they still care that they're a fan and I think that's fantastic where I do have a problem with it is when that player is uh, employed by the club to um uh well for a role that we're not exactly sure what it is it, 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 it i think it, it's um it's it's called a is it called a, a legend or a position or what some sort of ambassadorial role wasn't it ambassadorial role yeah and a few of what for players have been given this ambassadorial role and um i like the role um and and what it stands for but i i don't like the fact that it comes of an em- an employment uh t- are part of it because that makes me feel as though those those players will be encouraged to speak positively about the club when sometimes negative things have to be said as well. It depends very much on what's happening at the club. And I feel as though people, anyone really, that would be put in that position, would be in a very difficult position to be able to speak badly about the company that they work for. Um so that's my only Problem with it, um, which I think is a fair one.
2: Yeah, and I think too that the thing is, there's. I think you have to almost separate the the player and the and the and the role that he has now. The two different, you know, stages, two different things that. That he's doing here because you know he, he is obviously a club legend and you know our, our, we're not no one's denying that I, I just think the role itself is just it, it feels a little bit off to me um you know you, you see some of the interaction that's been had there was some some question a Q&A kind of thing that went to the the Observer where where Luther was able to answer some questions and it did feel a little bit um it, a little bit contrived at times I, I don't I thought some of the way that it was discussed in regards to the fans it felt very felt a little bit pushy you could kind of feel the club um, you could kind of feel the club's kind of ideas and wants coming through in the article a little bit too much for my like, and that's just my intep- Like he was a parrot of a pot, so. Yeah and I'm not trying to be insulting by saying that because obviously you know it's, it's a difficult role to take and I understand why he, why he did it and I'm not saying it's all insidious and nefarious or anything by any means but I, I think it's very hard to, 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 to execute that role Role, um, and be an impartial figure because I don't think the club want to. I don't think the club want to hire a position which is impartial. I think they want someone that's able to, you know, present their their views in a more palatable way. And what what more what more of a palatable way can you have as a conduit than a club legend that had ties to one of the most iconic. Managers, or the most iconic manager and personality the club has ever had, so it it does feel oftentimes that we do kind of revert to that as being almost a free, um, not a free win card, but it's very hard to argue with with that point of view at times. You know, it's hard for fans to argue, and the the point is that he's someone that is able to talk to the fans as an ambassador. It's hard to disagree, or or fans might feel guilty or you know not inclined to have. Um, Opposite opinions to someone of that Stature within the club's history So it's a difficult position but It's a smart position from the club I think in many ways But there was one particular point I don't have the quote up it in front of me this second but it was in regards to the way the fans conduct themselves and communicate and you know i think luther was saying something along the lines of y- you have to be respectful in the way you do so and that there's been lots of fans that haven't been and you know fans haven't been conducting themselves in the proper way and and, and asking the questions in the right way but i think those sorts of things to me just don't sit particularly well because it doesn't it fails to see or understand the fact that lots of fans don't have access to communicate to the club and you know lots of them are also saying things into the void so I think it's harsh to criticize some individuals that are saying things purely because they want to express it to fellow fans or even just express it into no one really um we don't have the access to say things at the club we don't know who's reading what you know I know Luther's there now but but fans are entitled to 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 be um to be cagey with 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 members of of the club that are talking to us too, because we have been misled and we have been lied to overtly on on numerous occasions, even, um, even to the point that you you guys just mentioned there, where there's there's statements that, you know, have been made and the replies to those are just clearly untrue, whether it's on purpose or it's a miscommunication or or whatever, we know that it's not correct. So there's always going to be that little bit of um, hostility there. And I think that's, I'm not sure this, this solves it, to be honest with you. Don't
1: assume he will just be a stooge either because he's on board. You know, I I think he's got a a track record of of proving he's got kind of, you know, a moral backbone when it comes to issues that he believes are important. So, look, we shall see. I guess the proof is in in the pudding.
3: Okay, shall we get back to some football? One of the incidents that we haven't talked about yet is the fact that Tom Dellibushiru was meant to be part of the squad, but he was dropped due to a timekeeping issue, which is the third disciplinary issue this season. Um, Let's ask two questions about this. The first one, do we like the fact that um, we're finding out about all of these occurrences, um, which is making it very open to the fans? Um, And secondly, the the fact that he's, you know, I mean, clearly it's not a great idea to to be late uh, and risk being dropped from the squad um, because it could potentially harm the squad's uh, strength, which is is not something that you want to do. Uh, let's go for the first one then. Um, first of all, should we be told about these? I presume in the past there have been instances like this that we just haven't heard about because the manager at the time, whoever that was of the last 15, is it, that we've had in the past, uh, haven't all decided they wanted to make that public. But I presume this sort of thing happens just like it does at any workplace so. yeah
2: no i i I quite like the fact that it's in public in some ways I mean I think it it definitely a it shows a little bit about Ismail's character. It feels like an Ismail choice to make this public and i I think it does um it does add an extra level of accountability to the situation i think the you know the questions might come to when you know say someone with a more vital role in the team maybe isn't that shows a lack of discipline or fails to...
3: Well, when, when, when it happened to it, I mean, that he was one of the most pivotal players in the team. I mean, he's not showing it at the minute, but...
2: Uh... Yeah. But he was on that half-time, though, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. You know? Like, it, it, I, I feel like... I feel like it's a little bit... Say Gael Pedro was still playing for us. I don't, I don't think Gael Pedro would be dropped from too many games for turning up five minutes later. Maybe he would. I don't know. But Under um, Ishmael, oh, maybe he would. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But it's an interesting strategy. I, I think it's it's it it's definitely gives us a little bit of insight into what is trying to be done, I think, behind the scenes somewhat.
3: And then the second part of the question, Tom Delebeshire just having a, a, a poor timekeeping issue... It's not great, is it?
1: It's not. I think um I think I've said before I'm sure it happens all the time we just haven't heard about it previously. I'm actually quite open to the transparency and the honesty and I think the article that came out today from the Watford Observer which kind of detailed exactly how it works that you know well either exactly how it works or how he's conveniently retrofitted it to work um, which said you know if you're in the starting 11 you drop to the bench and if you're on the bench you drop out entirely is, is sensible and makes sense and explains the loser thing and that there is consistency and I do believe there has to be consistency as in any walk of life you know just because you're deemed to be more valuable you shouldn't be treated any differently we of course know that this doesn't always happen <laughs> you know I'd go back to Troy Deeney um, you know when he was facing prison time I find it hard to believe that if he'd have finished that season as he started it we'd have held on to him. obviously different time etc two different eras of ownership and so on but you know Case in point of of how kind of I believe these things are, are viewed differently. I think we need the openness and the honesty of, of how it works to to see that you know in application. So I'm I'm fine with it. To be honest with you. Um, And I suspect it's not even that bad. Like, you know, I'm sure we can all put our hands up and say, honestly, we've been late to work before. It's, You know, I I think it's a little bit different if you're already in the hotel and you've got to go get yourself downstairs to the meeting room on time. Um, You know, that's slightly different to other instances. But, um, yeah, it's it's all about taking care and being professional, isn't it? So, yeah, I I don't have a massive issue with it.
3: Okay, fair enough. Uh, did we discuss Wesley Hoots and his suspension? I don't think we have yet, and it's it's quite important because it felt as though he had just struck up a, a decent partnership
2: with Alta and now it's going to be Porteous who's coming back. Um, oh, I didn't see. I didn't realize who got the five game. That's saw the five yellow. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing Hoot and and Serauta
3: again, but now it's going to be. Porteous coming back who has struggled recently at least for Watford he's been doing fine for Scotland uh, but, but for Watford he's not been playing his best recently and it seems a shame that that partnership that looked fairly reasonable yesterday is going to be broken up so quickly
2: yeah that's a concern you know we've centre-back players an issue and I think Serie has brought something to it Porteous has been a little bit erratic and yeah I, I, I actually missed that but not yeah I don't feel great about it to be honest with you no Tom
1: it's a tricky one, isn't it? It worries me slightly because, um, you know, one or two games out the side isn't isn't very long. You don't kind of expect all ills to be cured by that. But, I mean, we haven't really got a choice, have we? Um, hopefully the influence of Sierra Alta will, will benefit him. Sierra Alta is in a good moment, as a European football coach would say. So let's hope that kind of rubs off on him. And also... It's probably not the worst thing in the world to um, look at a different option as well because we've I, we've not seen that pairing before. I don't think, certainly not this season. You know, we might we might find the answer there. That's the glass half full
3: answer. Lovely. Anish uh, uh appears to be coming into his own at the moment. Uh, meanwhile, Edo Kiembe was also impressive yesterday in, in that more advanced role than, than typically we see him. Um, are, we, are we seeing a different side to these players?
2: Yeah, I think I think Kuno's in a good spot. Um, I think he's he's looking a little bit more like what we wanted. Um, showing a bit more of the positive side of his game. He's looking quite rangy, trapped, moving across the ground well. A couple of loose passes last night on occasion. There's one to Martins that comes to mind, which didn't quite click. But um, yeah, better. I think KM bait is honestly a better player more advanced than in, in that deeper position anyway so I think we're just starting to see a little bit more of him um, yeah it, it worked last night it was enough they had that that element of industriousness to them but also they were um, they were quite decent I thought it was it was better to see and you know especially when you see someone like Imran Luzer not involved Tom De Bashuri has been decent out you do have a few concerns but I thought they, they, they did quite well
3: lovely uh, next up then Millwall who are currently without a gaffer
2: um, does
3: that make it harder to
2: plan? It's, it's classic Watford timing, isn't it? That's just how we, <laughs> we have to we always have to think about these things. So yeah, it does a little bit. Um, but I think you just focus on what we can do. Again, it's quite a cliche answer, but um, it's when we one of those games where we have to we have to look to dominate it at home as well. I think it's an important one for us to to maybe find or refine a little bit of that um, ability and, and, and form in regards to controlling a game and and, and trying to actually put a, put a team to the sword.
3: Yeah, not the best time, Tom. No, um, yeah. as
1: I said at the top of the show, we're in a kind of run now where we we've got to be picking out some points because we've got some tough games around the corner. You know, three games unbeaten, which is must be the longest stretch of the season by far. Back to back wins, two clean sheets we've got to be confident and you know Millwall um, actually travel better than they do at home this than they kind of do points wise at least at home this season which is um, absolutely bloody typical lost on uh, Tuesday night to Blackburn having gone ahead early on but it's only one win six so we've got to be we've got to be getting uh, getting three points there we know what they're about we know what they're like we saw it last season they absolutely and utterly uh, battered us at their place didn't they as one of the real low points of the season so would expect something similar in terms of the physicality and and not letting us breathe still got Tom Bradshaw up front who's an absolute nuisance Zion Fleming really good player Uh, so you know they're going to be they're going to be what they they always are I think in in that respect Um, one little thing Paul Robinson's still part of the staff there, Watford legend Paul Robinson. So, you know, he's going to be, I'm sure, telling them to get stuck in.
3: Always love Paul Robinson. Uh, Thanks once again for your fantastic support, Um, especially at a time when Watford aren't much fun to watch. Uh, Although recently, maybe, who knows? Who knows? Um, But, you know, we love doing the pods Uh, regardless. Sorry there's been a bit of a delay, but... It's it's sometimes difficult to find a a time when all of us can speak, especially given that some of us don't live in the country, so it's hard to find um, a time that suits everyone. But um, we very much enjoy it, and um, we just want to thank you for for tuning in when we we have a pod out and listening and then interacting with us. It makes it uh, all seem worthwhile. If you'd like to continue to do that, uh follow us at Watford Pods on Twitter. You can also find us at Messi Messiano, at Jordan Weimer, and at TB Bedell. Uh we're three Watford fans who all uh work in some way within the football industry. And um we like to have our individual takes on um on how uh Watford are doing with uh, an analytical slant. Uh so if you enjoy that, then um carry on listening because that's more of what you what you'll get. Uh and if you do enjoy it um and you haven't done so already please find us on iTunes and give us a rating out of 5 and a li- leave a little comment as well because we'd love to read those out on the show. Um and every time you you leave a comment or or put a star rating it just helps other people to find us. So um It'll be it'll be really, really good. And if you want to help us uh, out in a, a monetary way, you can do as well. You can follow us on Patreon and you can help support the running costs uh, of which uh, they are increasing this year, apparently. A cost have told me. So there we go. Um, right um that's everything from myself guys do you want to have any closing words
2: yeah no yeah good to be back recording um looking forward to talking about the next one thanks again for listening echoing everything matt said so yeah keep listening for some slightly above average content <laughs> oh yes tom uh no nothing to add your honor <laughs> tom fleeds the fifth on his outro good stuff
3: <laughs> all right we'll see you next time um there should be a pod after Millwall, and uh look out for that one all right then until then We've been the Watford Buzz. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.